Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Manhood Simplified Podcast, the show dedicated to educating and edifying your mind on what we constitute as toxic masculinity, with the idea being that following this conversation, you will be able to think about the ways you can make a positive contribution to the society around you. My name is Gamele Shepovana. I'm Ayan Benyati. Now, to help us unpack this conversation, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome our esteemed guest at this time, who will afford an opportunity to introduce himself. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My name is Siabulela Gentile. I am the founder and president of the Not In My Name International Civil Rights Group. I'm going to go right and jump into it. Not In My Name is among the more, let's call it, prominent NGOs in this country. Given its existence, given how long you've been around, are you finding that NGOs like Not In My Name are given the latitude to be as impactful as they can be in our country? Uh, thank you so much, Ayanda, for that question. I don't think they are. Um, and, and, and I've made peace with the fact that the, the energy that we give out into the space, the work that we do, will not be reciprocated in terms of the support that we receive, whether it's from corporate South Africa or from, um, uh, uh, from government then that said to me, you know, in order for us to be sustainable and continue the work that we do, we need them to go to the ground and ask ordinary South Africans to be part uh, and parcel of the work that we do. And not in my name, international, international now, because we have extended uh, our uh, participation and membership to other African countries, um, that these ordinary people on the ground must be the one that says, if there's a particular case or there's a need in a certain community, uh, community needs to come together and do something about it. And that is what is defined by uh, people who, who are educated like yourself, call it civic leadership, yeah. because then the solutions uh, to those problems exist within, you know, within the social and, and uh, moral political space that the people are actually uh, in. So to answer you the long and short of it, uh, we, we are not given the, the necessary latitude. However, I don't think it is anyone's responsibility but ourselves. Now, in terms of the work that your organization does, I think there's a very real danger in our use of these words like toxic masculinity, where um, some uh, a few po a few members of those pockets of society on the ground that you just ref refer to can hear these fancy words and immediately be psyched out of the conversation. How have you navigated the challenge of addressing these issues in a way that is accessible to the members of this community in which you are doing this valuable work that you're doing. Yeah. So, so in fact, uh, in the past uh, three, three, four, three, about four years or so, I, I started in, in, my, in, my, in my engagements um, to say that perhaps we need to stop or tone down on toxic masculinity and start talking about positive masculinities. Because it's almost as though that you can never mention the word masculinity without... Uh, starting with the word toxic, mm. and it's sort of uh, uh, you know it's sort of normalized that masculinity, and that gives uh, uh, it feeds into the narrative that masculinity in its own is a problem, and there's nothing wrong with masculinity or with being a man. The only problem becomes when you are uh, toxic, mm. and 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 so with within the work that we do, I've always tried to run away from toxic because once you do that, you are also creating an us and them uh, uh, you know situation. I've said to the guys, you know what, we need to start taking our work to, to 
and I'll tell you now, I appreciate this setting. This is all good and nice. But you know, when I got an invitation, the first thing I thought of was I'm going to wear a tie because I had I was being interviewed by Ayan Danyat. You know? <laughs> but uh, 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 wow. the real conversation <laughs> should then be a tembisa at the pub. You know, two weeks ago, um, um, part of what I do, uh, I co-own a, a, a lounge, right? And we people come there to drink and chill and do whatever. We had GP Mao Range. We had a conversation with men about these issues. So this guy is sitting there having his own Heineken and then he's, he's deliberating on issues. There's no woman there, by the way. So you get to understand the real issues. Uh, and and the, 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 the thing uh, with men is that they feel that no one is listening. You know, uh, because everyone is like, men are not talking, men are not talking. But the question is, uh, say men talk, but who is listening? Uh, women listening? Are men listening to other men? Um, so, so, so what I've realized personally and with the work that we are doing as an organization is that uh, these words sometimes they, they, they are in fact regressing uh, uh, this, this fight against whether it's toxic masculinity, whether it's femicide, whether it's GBV and all that. Because you get to people, then you start telling them that they're toxic, mm. patriarchy this, patriarchy that. Uh, you know, you start talking big words of hegemonic masculinities. Uh, subordinate masculinities, you know, and, and and they sound all good and nice to people who understand. But this guy is sitting there and he's probably going through this and that. They want to be part of the conversation, but they can't, you know, because you see your figure and then started talking about, you know, how how they are toxic without even listening to their story. So so for me, I've tried over the years to, in fact, as part of, of the members of the men's sector, national, I, I, one of the recommendations I had made was that we need to have a handbook that explains all these big words that yeah. we, are, we are always having in our discussions. Explain to Ubab Jamin in KZN, what do you mean by toxic masculinity? You know, uh, Mr. So-and-so from Mafiking, Mahiking, is in the village somewhere, and to him, a woman is not his equal. Now you go there, and then you want to tell him about equality. His, his whole life, he's never had that nonsense, you know? Uh, uh, so how do we break down this language yeah. to make it easier and more understandable? And until we do that, we are not going anywhere. That's why personally I've stopped attending all these conferences and because we're preaching to, to, to you know, a group of pastors meet and we preach to each other. No, we must do this and that, but the people who should be receiving the message don't understand and they don't hear any word that we're saying. So personally, I've said to the guys, you know what, I said, and talk to them, hear what the issues are. Let's go to a club, let's go, let's do that. You know that there's anything wrong with conferences. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because that's actually at the heart of this podcast, you know, like part of the reason why, you know, there was an idea to come together to try at least have some kind of conversation started was we appreciate the discussion evolves in other spaces but it almost feels that it doesn't get to spaces where it's desperately needed, you know? You've alluded to a way through which you've done that, through your, your own lounge, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess a part of what I've tried to reckon with is to ask whether or not there's an appetite, do you feel, for honest discussion to take place? Because awkwardly enough, when men get together, stereotypically speaking, of course, there's a brushing of egos, there's a hyping each other up, there's actually a tiptoeing around calling another guy out because that's what you must do. So to answer your question around around appetite, um, and this is this is gospel according to observation and experience, there is appetite. 
However, um, as you said off camera, that you know sometimes we try to massage each other's egos as men. And I always start these conversations by making those who may otherwise not have been aware that truth of the matter of it is that we are the beneficiaries of this systemic organization of social stratification on the basis of gender and sex and all that. Um, uh, we are born elevated in the social hierarchy for the mere fact that we are born male. And that is that. So I don't want us to start a conversation uh, around discussing what are we privileged or not. In as much as I wouldn't want to sit with a white man who's going to come here and tell me nonsense that no, we're, we're equal, when we know very well that we are not, can be equally qualified and all that, he'll still get paid more than me. Same as me and, and another black woman, you know. So issues of race and, 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 and gender equality are always parallel, in my opinion. Um, so what I was saying is that uh, the appetite is there. However, it is true that we massage each other's egos. Uh, but it is also true that, that those spaces create an environment whereby men can be vulnerable with each other. Um, I'll make you another example again. Um, one guy literally cried and said that he was going through a divorce, you know. Uh, 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 he, he, he cried, that man, because of, uh, you know, his own experiences. I'll tell you now, in an ordinary setting, he is expected to be strong. He's expected to undotaikali, you know. Um, he's expected to suck it up and move, move, move along, you're a man. Um, so, so, so it goes two ways, in my opinion. We've seen men who are trying to, in front of other men, want to come up and, and portray uh, that macho masculinity, that no, we're in charge, these women, in fact, they are the ones in the wrong. And there's also been, in the same rooms and spaces, there's also been men who are like, guys, but we need to honestly reflect on our own actions as men. You know, I've not been a good man to my family. I've not been a good man to my wife, to my children. And, you know, after this discussion, I've realized that there's actually good men in South Africa. That is why I said earlier that I feel like we focus on these toxic, toxic traits of men. And we, we hardly celebrate uh, the good men that exist among us, the men that do um, that do right, uh, right things. So I under appetite, my brother, it is there. And now it is up to us, those who are leading this conversation and facilitating them to try and... Because how much either sometimes they, you know, we're having a conversation and then they, they talk about uh, football. Uh, uh, Which is why I was asking about that. Yeah. You know, like in those instances, you, you wonder to yourself whether people are at least, at the very least, open to the work. Because yeah. let's be honest, it actually takes work. Reflection and introspection that is honest is mm -hmm. difficult stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, sure. you know, very few people, I guess are willing to admit that, but I'm glad from the gospel according to observation <laughs> that you're able to see that there's, yeah, there's yeah. that kind of appetite that does exist. And, 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 and you know, you have these discussions, you have these small, smaller groups of men. I think we, we, we had uh, just over 50 men from what I could see. Uh, you know, you have the discussion and you realize that you would have saved someone from committing suicide. Because that's another elephant in the room. You know, men go through all this and that and then you pray and bottle you know, stuff out. And after those conversations, they leave out and say, oh, perfect. But I realize that I'm not alone, you know, uh, who's going through all these things. So the long and short of it is that the, the conversations are ongoing. Uh, also to dispel a myth that South African men are not talking. It's a lie. South African men are talking. No one is listening, including men themselves. They're not listening to each other. Uh, so appetite on the corner, but you need to channel it nicely and then make sure that as they, you know, derail, you bring, bring them back, bring them back.
Now, you said the word pressure in your previous answer, which is a neat segue to my next question, because it, it also ties into something you alluded to in the story that you shared about the gentleman who burst into tears over the divorce that he's going to going through. And this pressure that men are seemingly placing on themselves to live up to all of these ideas and these ideals that are discussed whenever this, to this, I this topic of toxic masculinity um, comes up. In what ways would you say this pressure lends itself to being harmful to the very men who are at the center of this conversation, apart from the various other members of society that these ideas of toxic masculinity manifest as harmful towards? So, so, so um, I, I consider myself as a, a, a social constructionist. So what, 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 what that means is that I believe that everything that is was is a result of socialization, right? And when I, 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 I grew up, I, I have two sisters and two brothers. And again, from observation, I can tell you now that my father would uh, uh, encourage me to be strong, masculine, and aggressive. Uh, parallel to that, encourage my sister to be feminine, soft, and submissive. Right. So those are some of so, 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 some of the uh, you know dynamics that I play as we grow. Uh, I'm I'm coming to a point where uh, you know this the, this this toxic masculinity it, it ends up affecting the very same man because now I'm sitting here and I want to be soft, but the society tells me that I can't. You know I need to be strong. I don't want to cry. Nicolo, you know I'm I'm losing business, but I can't because there's this one here who I'm married to. Who's expect, who, I'm, who I'm expected to take care of. And, 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 and those are some of the dynamics that are there. And the thing about what we call this, the patriarchy, is that it is harmful to men. You, you, you slightly mentioned it, it is. And you know, the way we support it, we think, you know, it oppresses women only. But truth of the matter is that patriarchy deals with men thoroughly. And the unfortunate part about the whole conversation is that, and as much as it deals with men, sometimes it is sustained and preserved by women. The very same people that are, you know, the victims of the patriarchy. So, so what I'm saying is that the conversation is 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 very complex. And those of us, you know, who, who are in academics, they can articulate it better than me. I mean, I'm just an activist, but from observation, I've seen how 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 it's harmful and what it does to men as well. But again, as part of the solutions, uh, as we are having these discussions. We need guys to, 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 to go back to the root causes. Talk to these the small boys. You know, I, I always say, especially when you're having a, a dual conversations where you have men and women in the room, say that we allow these boys, you, you, you know, you uh, uh, allow them to grow and then he's 20, now you want to change him. But his whole life has been told that uh, they are not equals. So, and, and, and by the way, and you know what happens when you come of age, you must, you must undergo a, a circumcision and all that. And my argument, not that according to a wrong process, I have no problem. But now, how do you then want to convert a boy into a man in four weeks? And then uh, that person has been toxically, if that word exists, toxically socialized for 18 years. And then, uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. However, I think the curriculum must extend into saying that we need to have an ongoing development of this of this uh, boy or in Dortangok, you know. Uh, so, 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 so the conversation must go through, through the channels of tradition, uh, must go through the churches, because in the church now, they'll tell you that you're not a man enough if you are not marrying white wedding. 
uh, and then you turn on your TV, you meet the, yourselves, now I under, the real men must have a six pack in media, that's what media says, must have a six figure salary. Uh, and then you switch off the TV, you go kupi kupi, they give you another definition of, 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 of men and masculinity. So, so this one is sitting here, doesn't know what exactly it is that is supposed to be, and then meets this woman. Part of what you've touched on is ways through which we can make sure everybody is coming along with the discussion, right? Um, people in the religious sector, cultural sector, which is difficult because these things don't belong to any one person. It's communities whose collective mindsets needs to be changed. Where do you even start? That's, that's, a, that's a very difficult uh, exercise. And I, I will agree and admit that the only way to do it uh, is to is to is to take it one step at a time. So you meet you meet these charismatic ones who've got a, a different view of of men and masculinity, and then you go to the more traditional churches. They've got a different understanding of of what a man is. So you you meet you meet them. You have discussions with them. You uh, you know the discussion in in the media space and sector it will be different. But I also love the fact that in South Africa now we've got men forums whereby you have men from all types of sectors, they sit down and deliberate on these issues. Do you feel that's the case though? Do you feel that it really is like representative of all men from all sectors? Not not necessarily every every man, Mm. because also what we are struggling with in South Africa, we're still struggling to define what is a man, you know? Um, because as I mentioned earlier, there's different kinds of masculinities. There's, there's masculinities that are subordinated, there's hegemonic masculinities which are sometimes aggressive and violent and whatnot. So if, if I don't subscribe, as you see, uh, to the traditional or to the uh, normal way of, of being a man, um, I'm soft, or let's, let's say I'm a gay man, you know, in other spaces I'm, I'm going to be considered not as in, in, indoor, which is nonsense because uh, gay men are still men. And they should be included in the conversations that we are having. So, so when when you mention the issue of representation, it's it's it's, it's very important. But unfortunately, even ourselves who are leading this conversation, sometimes we exclude other men who we consider they don't necessarily meet our societal expectations of what it means to be a man. What is your take on who has the most input on this discussion in terms of determining what is or what isn't a man or who is or who isn't a man? Is it only men who can make this distinction or are other members of society um, allowed to contribute to this discussion, keeping in mind this this age-old adage that it takes a village to raise a child? I think I think the definition uh, of men, for me, it, it must be a collective effort. Uh, first of all, men don't just fall from the skies, boys. They are, they are, they are, they are born off, and they are, you know, they are natured by women. In fact, boys spend most of their time with their mothers. I don't want to even go to the conversation. That's another one. But also, even though we are present as fathers, most of the time we are out working, hustling, doing whatever. Boys, uh, you know, they spend most of their time with their mothers. Now, how dare then we say no? But women cannot now have an input into what constitutes a man. That is why I always say that even when we talk about toxic masculinity, women themselves, they must take some level of responsibility because they are part of the society. Uh, 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 men must take huge part of the responsibility even because they are part of the society. Our boys today, they are frustrated because they don't know who to talk to. I talk to my father, he tells me I must go hit back because I'm weak. I talk to my mother, she embraces me. Uh, uh, but then when I go back to the streets, uh, they are laughing at me. They're calling me mama's boy. So there's there's a lot of dynamics that are, that, that are happening around this. But 
every one of us, men, women, traditional leaders, pastors, and all that media, we must all take collective responsibility in, 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 in trying to, you know, articulate and explain what is it that is a man. And, and, and just quickly, we must run away from uh, uh, this thing of wanting now to define a man, like Nangunusi and Nkosa, Indota must be, you know, the man who's only been to the mountain. Then that is, should be accepted as the universal truth. You know, um, I must understand that there, there are other groups of people who believe in, in differently than I, and we need to embrace that and understand. Sure. Certainly not the kind of task that could be uh, ventilated and done within this one conversation. So thanks very much indeed for coming through to help us scratch the surface, at the very least, in trying to unpack all these issues. Uh, Sebulela Gentile, of course, the founder and leader of the Not In My Name movement. Thank you, as always, for taking part in our podcast. Hopefully we've started the conversation and you'll take it forward.